Can the next 30 minutes save you a hundred grand or more in taxes over your lifetime? This is Retirement Revealed, where Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you towards making smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. Today, we're talking with Mike Jezoshek about how to save a hundred grand or more and taxes over your lifetime. Mike, welcome to the show. Yeah, Jeremy, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, uh, let's just go right there where you say it's possible to save 100 grand or more in lifetime taxes. How, how can you feel confident saying that? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that that's even a low number and it all depends on your income, right? Uh, ultimately, the IRS kind of wrote the tax code for a reason. And there's different pieces within that tax code that allow tax advantage opportunities and options for individuals as well as, as business owners, where, where, where we put a lot of our focus on. And, you know, the thing is, the IRS doesn't always come out and advertise what these opportunities are or explain to them in clear easy to understand communications about what these t exact strategies are, um, but they're there and they're there for a reason. Congress put them there for a reason and uh, it's our opportunity to find them and utilize them, maximize them to as much as our potential and uh, kind of take it from there. So yeah, that's that, that's kind of been the mission that we've been on is like, how do we help people save taxes? How do we help people find these golden nuggets, um, help them understand them, help them do them properly and then ultimately you know, kind of see those, those tax savings. Yeah. I was just talking to the Wisconsin Institute of CPAs, talking to them about uh, social security and also tax planning for retirement. I went out there, I said, well, there's, there's really three ways to save on taxes. One is to earn less income. Two is to lie and cheat. And the third one uh, is to learn the tax code and actually apply it. I think you like door number three. That's probably what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I think door number three is probably the best one to go into. I, I find a lot of people will be like, well, I'll just make less money or what? Well, how come I'm making more money and now all of a sudden I have to pay more in taxes? And, you know, it's it's always saying, okay, that's, that's, that's a concept. You make more money, you pay more in taxes. But let's look at the tax code. Let's kind of go in door number three and say, okay, you know, what op opportunities are there for us? Because very likely we can reduce that income. We can utilize different strategies, utilize different vehicles to take that income down from, from where it actually is and, and move that taxable income to a different level. Yeah, you got it. Well, we're going to go through some things, but maybe first just tell us uh, a little bit more about yourself and how you got into the uh, idea of tax minimization. Yeah. So, you know, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, started at the age of 14 um, and really started most of my career in the online marketing industry. While I was going along in that industry, I went to school and uh, went to school for accounting. That was my backup plan. And and so finished finished school accounting, started to get into the finance side of our business in the online marketing space. Got a CPA just again as as a backup plan, and and here I am utilizing that backup plan. So back in 2013, I started a digital cloud-based accounting firm, only doing bookkeeping at the time. Uh, so we were 100% digital, 100% cloud, which now seems very common, but back then it, it really wasn't. But we got into a point where we were working with a lot of accountants to, to do the tax filings for our bookkeeping clients. And along that process, you know, we would have clients reach out with questions like, how do I how do I hire my kids in my business? Or, you know, what do, what do I need to know about this automobile deduction from a tax standpoint? And I was always reaching out to some of the people that we were partnering with, and I would consistently get answers that say, it depends. So, you know, how do I hire my kids in my business? And they'd say, it depends. And I'm like, 
Okay, I I know it depends, but if I go back to my client and say it depends, they're just going to not do it because it's too much work. They don't know what depends. They, They have no clue even like where to start. They have no basis. There's no concrete foundation. And so I started to get into tax planning for my own purposes, as well as to kind of learn and how I can guide some of our clients in that way and, and absolutely fell in love with it. And that's sort of when we started the uh, podcast five years ago, which is now where I've shifted all of my attention is uh, our podcast, our training, content creation, things like that. But mainly kind of that real goal of saying, okay, we understand it depends and we know everybody's situation is going to be different. But when we look at a tax strategy and we look at a core tax strategy, 90% of that strategy is the same for everybody. It doesn't depend for the majority of that tax strategy. And so my goal on our podcast is say, okay, how can I get business owners 90% of the way there? When we talk about hiring your kids, how can I talk about that concept and get them 90% of the way there? And then that little 10%, they're going to have to tweak themselves. So, you know, Jeremy, if you have your kids are different ages than mine. You're in a different business than I'm in. This idea of hiring our kids is the same, but you know your kids are different ages. You're in a different business. So there's, there's tweaking of that strategy, that idea that we need to do separately. That's the part that depends. And so again, my goal is to help business owners understand you know, how can they minimize taxes? How can they pay the least amount of taxes legally possible by getting them so much deeper into it so now when they go to that accountant, they're saying, okay, I understand this idea of, of, of hiring our kids. Now I just want to talk about these specifics because I don't know how it works for me. Or I want to take that idea and change these few things to make it work for me. And that's kind of that concept that we go through and hopefully saying and hopefully motivating business owners that, hey, it we know it depends, but let's get you there. Let's let's get you started down that road so that you're not just giving up and quitting, which is what we saw and which I did as a business owner. Uh, it's like it seems like too much work to really kind of go down that lane. Yeah, and you you've talked about business owners a bit. Your your podcast and focus is small business tax savings. Uh, we're gonna bring in a little bit of that, but we're also gonna bring in a lot of the retiree tax savings because that's our listeners is the the re- retirees. And when it comes to a lot of financial advice or planning or taxes. I've got a few kind of uh, ground rules. I'm just going to share them with you. So maybe you can um, make sure we're on the same page. Uh, the first yeah. one is I think you ought to learn the math, do the math, and probably follow the math, right? A lot of people are just, oh, I ought to do a Roth conversion. I ought to do this. Well, l- learn how things work and then do the math and comparison, you know, make a comparison. And chances are you ought to go with whatever the math is showing is the best way to, best way to go. That's kind of one one principle. I see you nodding your head, so I think you're you're along the lines of that. Uh, another principle I shared this with the CPAs I spoke to uh, last week was pay taxes when the rates are low and save taxes when the rates are high. Right? That just seems like um, a no-brainer. Uh, and another one I, I'm thinking more of lately is just be flexible. A lot of people right now are thinking, well, taxes are going to go up in 2026, uh, and and I agree. The law says taxes are going up in 2026, uh, or at least the tax brackets. There's a lot of things that change and maybe some people, the taxes don't don't go up in 2026. But I've been hearing taxes are going to go up since I became a financial advisor in 2003. And guess what happened in 2018? Taxes went down, right? And so uh, the idea that taxes go up is not set in stone. It's not a law. You've got to be a little bit flexible on there. So those are kind of my my three rules that I approach uh, certain things like tax planning, especially that we're talking about. How, how does that sound to you? Yeah, no, that sounds good. And I think there's one concept or one idea too, is that ultimately there is a a variable that we, we're not sure of. You know, we don't know where taxes are going to be 
30 years from now. We don't know what we're going to make in income, you know, with the, over the course of the next 15 or 20 years. There's so many shifts in dynamics that you look at from a person's career, as well as things that they can't control, which is governmental activities that that really kind of throw different wrenches into that. And so I love the idea of being flexible. But I think also, you know, kind of, and this goes into number, number one, knowing the numbers is just being aware, you know, like mm-hmm. saying that, I don't know these these unknowns, and so then I'm just going to not do it. You know, I, I, the unknowns I don't know about. So instead of just putting the time in now, I'm just going to say let's let's move forward. And that's what we see on the business owner side a lot, but I also see it so often in the retirement side. And you start to see it when people get really close to retirement, and at that point, it's probably too late to start thinking about some of those things that they should have been thinking about 20 years, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on. And I, I've got a few things. I was listening to your your podcast. I've got some of the the highlights in my mind that I want to just go through and just have you share some things uh, with that. So we're, let's go through some of these and see what if I forgot any. And um, keep an eye if there's a couple that maybe uh, we need to highlight that I didn't ask you about. Let's let's do that. So the the first one. Tell us about the Augusta rule and how you can use that to save taxes. Yeah. So the Augusta rule is is something that came up with the the Masters tournament in Augusta, Georgia. And what people do a lot because it's a, it's a small town, not a whole lot of lodging available. Is a lot of people come into town, and the the locals there rent out their homes uh, for the week long for the golf tournament. And they used to have to pay taxes on that. The IRS would say, "Well, that's taxable income. It's a rental property." And they talked to Congress, and Congress came back and said, "Hey, you know, if you're renting out your home for 14 days or less, that is not a rental property. That is going to be considered not taxable income. So any income you receive for rental." your home for 14 days or less, not taxable income to you. You also don't get any expenses that you might have used to offset some of that income, but you don't need it if there's no income there anyways. And so we we take the strategy or this idea and utilize it as, as business owners or non-business owners. And it doesn't have to be the master's tournament. This isn't specific to Augusta, Georgia. Uh, this could be for any time you're renting out your personal residence for a total of 14 days or less throughout the tax year. That's not taxable income to you. And so when we look at it from a business owner standpoint, we say, well, can you rent out the home to your employees? Can you rent out the home to uh, hold a team retreat? Maybe it's having clients stay over or a client event, or you might be having board meetings for your business. And so the idea behind it is how can we get a business deduction, reduce our business income, and then have to pay no income taxes on that on the personal side. And so it's kind of that concept of of moving after-tax spending that we're going to be doing anyways into pre-tax spending, into a business expense. And so, you know, it works whether you're a business owner or not. Um, you just get, you know, as a non-business owner, rent out your home for 14 days or less in total throughout the year, pay no income taxes on that, and you don't have to report that, or you don't have to pay taxes on that rental income that you had. As a business owner, you not only get that benefit, but now you're getting a, a potential business deduction as well. Now, with that Augusta rule, that 14 days, is that applied to like Airbnb, that kind of stuff, if you're just not a business owner? Yeah. So again, the the, the concept behind it is 14 days or less in total. So you know, a lot of people come up and say, hey, if I rent out my home for five day stretches, but five days here, five days next month, five days over here. And do I still qualify where it's not taxable income? And the answer would be no. You know, it would have to be a total rental of your personal residence for 14 days or less, and then it's not taxable income to you. But here's what I get all the time, which is how much can I give to my kids as a max? What's the max I can give to my kids as a gift this year? 
Yeah. So there, there's kind of two aspects that come down to this. When it comes to gifting, you have an annual amount that you can give without having to file a gift tax return. And that amount is 17000 Now, if you go over that 17000 it doesn't mean that there's necessarily tax associated with that gift, as long as you're under the lifetime exclusion, which is right around $13 million. And so where there's a lot of confusion is someone say, well, if I go over that annual exclusion amount, now my child or whoever I'm gifting to has to pay tax on it. It's like, no, not necessarily, but now you have to file a gift tax return that will start counting toward that lifetime amount. The other cool thing about gifting is that it's not necessarily, you know, if you're, let's say you're giving to your child, you and your spouse could give 17000 to your child. So that would be a total of thirty-four. But then you could also give seventeen to your child's spouse. So you could potentially, if you're married and your child or whoever you want to give money to is married, you could potentially give away, you know, sixty-eight thousand dollars without having to file any type of gift tax return for that year. So it's kind of that idea of okay, let, let, let's take those annual amounts and let's find ways to do it. Because it, ultimately we would all prefer not to file a gift tax return. Not saying that there's any taxes associated with it, but it makes life easier not having to file it. So what are some ways that we can do that um, and find our way around that? Yeah, with that, a lot of times people are asking us, what's the tax then? So what's the, the tax rate when you gift gift money to your kids? Yeah, so there would be no taxes as long as, long as you're under the lifetime amount, which is like 13 million. Once you go over that amount, there's a tax, but it's going to be on the person giving the gift side. That's where the tax is going to be, not necessarily the recipient. So so nothing wrong with receiving gifts in, in any dollar amount. The person receiving it has nothing to worry about. Yeah. It seems like when I talk to retirees, a lot of times they're worried about the estate tax. And really, if they're married, the estate tax doesn't apply to them until they hit 26 million. And there's not too many people we talk to with 26 million are more on that, but I suppose there's some state rules. There might be a state inheritance tax or state estate tax. So those are things to, to look into. I'm in Wisconsin, so I know there's no, um, it, it coordinates the estate tax and Wisconsin coordinates with the federal uh, mm -hmm. rules and there's no inheritance tax on there. So that's something to look up for your own kind of the personal state by state. But a lot of times you're worried about the feds, like how much is the IRS going to get uh, until you hit the 26 million, right? Uh, as a married couple, there's really nothing to, to worry about there. Yeah. And, and one thing to know is that number is constantly changing. So, you know, especially as we get new new presidents in, new, new party shifts in the Congress, that number can constantly change. So it might be something that you want to constantly be looking at because, you know, depending on where you're at in, in your lifetime and, and where, you, where you're going to be, that's a number that you want to kind of keep on, on the radar. But right now it's relatively large. It's a large number and doesn't affect the vast majority of people. Um, but in recent history, it was a, a much lower number. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our 5-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. Fivestepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. Yeah. And a lot of times when you're thinking of taxes and investments and trying to save money on taxes, it feels like there's, you're almost looking for like a loophole. Like what's a special 
thing that I can do. And, and sometimes real estate gets brought up. Is that that loophole? I don't know if I'd call it a loophole or not, but just tell us a bit about what are the special tax savings or special tax rules that apply to, to real estate? Yeah, well, you know, real estate's a, a a big topic, so we could talk for for days, and we you know we have various series on, on real estate in general. But you know, real estate is is an incredible way that you can use to offset some of your income. Now, with real estate, you buy a purchase. Uh, let's just say it's just a a long term rental property. Um, traditionally, when you buy a property, there's going to be depreciation associated with that. So, if you buy a million dollar property you're going to be depreciating that property over time or up front. And oftentimes you'll be cash flowing positively, but you'll show losses on paper because that depreciation is going to offset that income that you have flowing through. And so that is one beautiful thing is that, you know, you have income coming through from, from passive activity, real estate, rental income, and not having to pay taxes on it because you have depreciation that's oftentimes offsetting it. But where you can also take advantage of this is if you are qualified, able to qualify as a real estate professional, or you have a spouse that can qualify as a real estate professional, or you are most of your income now is all passive income where you don't have any type of ordinary or active income. Now we can utilize those losses from real estate to offset other income that we have. So we're not just offsetting our real estate income, but we're offsetting other type of passive act, passive or active income that we have. And so real estate can be really powerful in that way. And that's when you hear people like Donald Trump say, well, he, Donald Trump paid $700 in taxes. Um, he's using, utilizing real estate as the way of getting there. And that's a strategy that's available to mostly everybody. It's just there's some planning. There's some unique things. There's some time that you have to put in. There's some capital that has to be raised to do that. Uh, but there's a lot of planning and strategies around real estate on how we can say, okay, how can we take real estate losses to not only offset the, the passive income that we're receiving from that property, but is there a way that we can use these losses to offset other income. And, you know, most often when we see this in a real estate professional status of a spouse. So we might have one spouse that does really well, makes a lot of income, but then the other spouse isn't working. And so we say, well, how can we qualify them as a real estate professional, invest in real estate, do cost segregation studies, get big losses on that real estate and offset the income that we're receiving from this you know, the other spouse that's making a bunch of income. And so there's a lot of planning opportunities involved in in that. But that's kind of just a glimpse of real estate. There's also yeah. short-term rental real estate and, and how that kind of gets past that whole idea of not needing a real estate professional status anymore as well. Yeah, what's interesting about it all is uh, you, you think of the, the depreciation. It's just a, a tax rule or way of looking at things. And you might be on the side of where you think Real estate depreciation and, and passive losses is a is a good thing. Really, to keep in mind there is depreciation is just you know deferring to the future, uh, and so you think it's just kind of it's it's this magical thing that just helps you out. No, it's just deferring the the income to the future. Like you just got some extra, not extra. You got you got abilities to deduct some things earlier, and later on it's going to show up somehow, some way. It's it's deferring it. Uh, to the future. Then you have maybe the other side of this is just a kind of a, a horrible thing. It's the rich kind of soaking the poor. And I'm thinking of Kramer from Seinfeld just kind of saying, well, you just write it off. Like, <laughs> well, what is it? Well, it's just a write-off. Like, like it's, um, you know, it's, it's not free. Like it's just, a it, you know, these depreciations, these things with real estate, it has a lot to do with just almost the accounting and the way that you look at it, which is the, the whole point of what you said with the, the planning piece. 
Uh, but you mentioned active participation. Remind me again, what are, what are the rules for active participation with real estate? So to qualify as a real estate professional, you mean? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's kind of a lot of a multiple different things. Uh, you know, first you have to have 75, 750 hours put into this real estate activity. Uh, you also have to be doing more than any other job. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, I you know, can put 750 hours into real estate on top of my normal W-2 job or find a way to make that work. Uh, and they would say, no, if you have a high income earning W-2 job, more than likely that's, you know, that's not going to work because that's going to be, you know, where you're going to be putting in more than 750 hours in. Then you have to qualify as an active participant and there's also some grouping rules. And so qualifying as a real estate professional isn't as simple as just kind of snapping the fingers and saying, hey, I'm a real estate professional now. You actually have to be spending time in these rental properties or rental activity, whatever it might be, and being able to qualify that. That's what we oftentimes see is people that have shifted in their business, shifted in their in their personal life where most of their income now is coming from passive type activities. Now we can use real estate to offset that passive income that we have anyways. Uh, the other way that we often see people doing it is you have an income earner and then you have a spouse that isn't working as much and they're the ones that can qualify as that real estate professional. But a lot of tracking, a lot of things, again, when we, talk, when we look at tax strategies, one, is it legal real estate professional? Yes, absolutely a legal strategy. But the second piece that we always got to be going through when we're talking about tax strategies is, are we dotting our I's and crossing our T's? Are we doing this correctly? Are we creating the documentation to help back this up and support it in the event that the IRS comes knocking? And that's kind of that, that, that key piece that the IRS will come knocking for real estate professional status if it smells fishy. And so it's, it's important to kind of understand and fully vet what qualifies, what you need to do to qualify. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you mentioned too that this applies to, to everybody, including W two earners. Your latest podcast, one of your latest podcasts, was titled "Game Changing Tax Strategies for W two Earners." So I'd love to to hear all the secrets. What are they? How do we how do we change the tax strategies for for W two earners in a good way? Yeah, well, you know, I would say encourage people go check out that podcast. We we, we kind of think it was about a thirty minute episode, so really easy. But kind of quick hit items is. Utilizing retirement plans, so kind of maxing out your retirement plan at, at your work, as well as ensuring that you're taking the match. So if your employer does a match up to 5%, 10%, that's free money. So we always encourage people to at least contribute up until their match. Um, utilizing a health savings account. So we always kind of recommend everybody, every business owner, every business owner, every individual, whatever it might be. If you qualify for an HSA health savings account, we recommend that you maximize it out. Now, a lot of people come up to me and say, Mike, but why would I max out an HSA? I'm healthy. We're not going to use those funds. There's, there's no purpose behind it. And the reason I would say that is like, think of it as almost like another retirement account, except it's better than any retirement account out there. You get a deduction going in, you have tax-free growth. And when you withdraw money for qualified medical expenses, it's tax-free. And so there's no other tool. There's not many other tools out there that the IRS gives you that deduction going in, tax-free growth, and no tax coming out of it. And so that's what we'd say at some point in your life. You might be healthy now, but think of this as a retirement account. At some point in your life, you're going to have medical costs. You're going to have medical items that you need to be considerate of. And wouldn't you rather take 
tax-free money when those when that time comes, then taking out of your retirement account that becomes taxable if it's not in a Roth or taking out of some other piece of income that is now taxable to you. Wouldn't you rather have this vehicle to do it? And so health savings account is, is kind of one um, tax strategy. We say everyone should be maximizing out whether you're a business owner or a W-2 earner. And the other thing we often talk about is, you know, whether it's a tr- traditional IRA, Roth IRA, uh, but also starting a business. Yeah, when I say starting a business, it's starting a business that doesn't have to be a full-time gig. You know, there's many part-time gigs, there's side hustles, there's different things where you can utilize starting a business or purchase a rental property or bring rental into your life as we kind of just talked about. But starting a business is a great way to move spending that you're already doing which we call after-tax spending into pre-tax spending. And so that's kind of a concept of of when we're talking to business owners, this after-tax versus pre-tax spending is a concept that we talk about a lot. You know, as a W-2 earner, you have your gross income and your employer will take all these taxes out and then you'll get your take-home pay. And all the spending that you do is on after-tax dollars, that you're using your take-home pay money, which has already been taxed. So all the spending that you do is after-tax spending. But with a business owner, we have sales or revenue in our business, and then we have all these expenses that go into it, and then we're taxed on the profit of our business. And so if we can move spending, spending that we're doing every day from after-tax spending into a business expense, finding a business purpose for it, we have now shifted money from after-tax spending into pre-tax spending. And that's something that only business owners can do in that sense. And so it's an important concept that if you can start a side hustle, if you can get income coming from a business side, it opens up all these outdoors and opportunities from after-tax that you can turn after-tax spending into pre-tax spending. Think of things like hiring your kids in your business, or even the Augusta rule that we talked about earlier. As a business owner, that Augusta rule becomes even more beneficial than just, you know, in general, having that Augusta rule. And so there's a lot of planning opportunities with having a business, which is why we encourage people that, you know, if you are a W-2 income earner, what is a tax strategy? Buy a rental property. Same same purpose applies in, in rental properties. Start a business, start a side hustle. What are some things that you can do to earn income that we can use spending that we're already doing to offset at least a portion or a good portion of that income that you might earn? Yeah, I'm thinking of the start a business. My sister loves to crochet and she could just uh, crochet all day just for herself. Well, she does that, but also has a business you mm-hmm. know, for it, which probably gives her some expenses on things like, I don't know, her, uh, you know, maybe she's got some sewing machines and stuff that go along with that. But then she's also probably getting some income because she's going out having some fun and selling some of the things that she's doing. So she get she's probably getting a little bit of a both of it on that side. And you mentioned the HSA where uh, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm healthy, I don't need the max out." The HSA. Well, I I personally consider myself healthy too. Uh, but guess what counts in there? My kids' braces, uh, going to the chiropractor. I mean, these things that probably keep us healthy count mm-hmm. from the HSA. And even if you you get old enough to to Medicare or you're on Medicare, the money that you can take out from your HSA can be applied to the, the Medicare premiums, right? Your your monthly Medicare costs can come out of your HSA. Uh, so that's an interesting one where uh, a lot of people think that their $50 a paycheck is the max for the HSA. Uh, no, the max is thousands of thousands of dollars. You can add extra money in beyond what your employer puts in or what comes out of your paycheck. And a lot of times, especially going into retirement, building up that HSA uh, by you put the money in and maybe you spend your, 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 you pay your medical bills outside of the HSA right away. It's just a way to prepare for retirement. I like how you thought of that as an additional retirement account. Yeah. Perfect. 
Well, Mike, I've got one more question for you, but before that, tell us what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. Best place to find us is Small Business Tax Savings Podcast. You can find us on any podcasting platform, or you can go directly to our website at taxsavingspodcast.com. Perfect. And of course, if you'd like more ideas on how to make your retirement great, just go ahead right now, click that subscribe button for, for our podcast. All right, Mike, final question. Tell us something about yourself that few people know about. And remember, this podcast is ready to clean. <laughs> um. Something about, okay, let's go with, uh, I've had two eye surgeries. All right. Well, you're, you're, you're looking right now, looking right at me. So I think you're doing all right. It, it I can out. see great out of both eyes. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Good. Awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Mike. You've, you've helped us out whether you're a business owner or not uh, with learning all these different tax strategies. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. It's been fun. Yeah, definitely. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, You'll feel better about your money and you'll make better money decisions. This was another great episode of the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to automatically get our latest episodes. If you liked our show and want even more, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please go to retirement-revealed.com to learn more and send us your questions and feedback. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners, Thrivent, or its affiliates. The guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by Thrivent Advisor Network. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have with your investment planning. Advisory persons of Thrivent provide advisory services under a doing business as name or may have their own legal business entities. However, advisory services are engaged exclusively through Thrivent Advisor Network LLC or registered investment advisor. Kyle Financial Partners and Thrivent Advisor Network LLC are not affiliated companies. Information in this message is for the intended recipients only. Please visit our website, www.kylefp.com, for important disclosures.